to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Abigail. I'm very pleased to have Alexis and Raven joining me. Welcome to the Exploring Art Podcast. Hello. Hi, I'm Alexis. I'm Raven. And I'm Abigail, your host. Um, before we get into our case study, we are going to kind of discuss John Cage, um, his background and who he was as a person and why he's important. Um, so we have a few questions we were going to go over. Um, who was John Cage and why was he important? So in 1912 to 1992, the post-war avant-garde influential, he was an actor, he was a post-war avant-garde influential composer slash music theorist of the 20th century. He challenged the traditional ideas of what music was and made music out of everyday objects, which is very uncommon for the time. So a lot of music that you saw during this period wasn't, it was pretty straightforward. It was more classical. You see a lot of um, changes in how music was made. Uh, so he made a lot of strides in kind of expanding what music was to other people. Yeah, well, he pioneered the prepared piano, which is basically like an altered piano um, that produced percussive sounds and it made music. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. You can even argue that he was kind of the first like musical performer and gave rise to maybe influences of what pop music uses in music videos and stuff like that. No, definitely, yeah. Today in modern times, you definitely see a lot more deviation from uh, the norm. You can see, like, some people even use, like, pots and pans, stuff like that. Some of the stuff that you wouldn't normally hear uh, in music. You also heard, like, acapella was a very big uh, movement that kind of came later outside from, like, the yeah, musical instrument yeah. part of classical music and stuff like that. Um, so what we're actually going over is Piano 4.33. And in this performance, the sounds of the environment heard by the audience during his performance was performed by the audience. So there was a lot of fidgeting, giggling, um, a lot of like background noises. And this background noises is what provided his musical freedom. And the lack of silence was his intention in kind of giving up who the performer was. So he wasn't actually performing, but the music itself was the action of the audience. So the listener became the performer. So it was kind of like the artist giving up the art to become the art. If that's any way you can explain it, if uh, you guys get that. Yeah, and um, there weren't a lot of people that did that. You know, like when you go to the opera or whatever, you go and you're like, oh, I'm here to see this performer. And then... <laughs> They come up and there's nothing, so it's kind of weird. But he was like the first person, one of the first people to do that. So he was really influential, I think. Yeah, you see a lot of that in more modern art. Like you see like different ex exhibitions, just in general art as a whole, where they will have like some type of like performative like art, where like they're making like. I don't remember if you guys remember that artwork where they sold it and then it shredded. Banksy. Like that was the, it yeah. was the shredded pieces. So I think he kind of paved the way like earlier for a lot of like differences in uh, 
like performance, like performative art. So, John, uh, see, he contributed to the art world in other ways. Um, he created the prepared piano, um, which you had previously mentioned had produced percussive sounds, which wasn't really seen before. Um, he also made music with radios and influenced other musicians as well to kind of spice up uh, their own work um, and kind of started a movement of his own there. I'm sorry, my dogs are making music. That's their okay. Own. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, even here, he pretty much gave way to performative arts, uh, made music what it is today, um, even influenced the the dance world with uh, Mercy Cunningham and, um, you know, telling story through dance and music, whereas you only really saw that with ballet and now you're seeing it more with other things. So um, it's pretty yeah, definitely. cool addition. Yeah, I guess the you refer to that art movement as post-war avant-garde, which we actually see a lot of that today. Um, you see a lot of like avant-garde music popping up, especially in like the dance world, like you were mentioning. Um, you also see in like graphic works, music performances. Like Sia had like some very like avant-garde like music videos before. Oh yeah, um, those are good. Things so. Uh, yeah, you can actually see a lot of like his influence just kind of throughout different areas besides music. Um, so it's very interesting to see how that developed over time. So now we're going to get into the case study that we're going over, uh, which, as we mentioned, is of John Cage, and he's a well-known contemporary composer. Uh, and we're going to start from there. Amongst the famous works of John Cage, a well-known contemporary composer is his piece for piano titled Four. 33. To perform the work, the pianist goes on stage, sits on the piano, opens the keyboard, and remains seated for exactly 4 minutes and 33 seconds. At the end of that time, the pianist closes the keyboard and leaves the stage. So, is 4.33 a work of art? Is it a piece of music? What if Cage insisted that 4.33 is a listening experience in which the audience is supposed to hear background noises? Would your answer to the last question be different? Suppose that during a recent concert of Cage's work, the pianist hired to perform 433 became ill at the last moment and had to withdraw. In desperation, the stage manager himself performed the work. Would this be a performance of Cage's work? Would it be a musical performance? So is 433 a work of art? Is it a piece of music? What do you guys think? Well, I think it's hard to define art as what we've been reading, many philosophers have studied and tried to find out what is art or what makes art. So in my opinion, I think it is art. It's a form of expression and it's a piece of performative art, in my opinion. Uh, one of the philosophers, George Dickey, he was a professor of philosophy. He developed a set of definitions for philosophy of art and I agree with his philosophy of a work of art being somewhat of a relic that is shown to this so-called art world um, 
So I think that's what John Cage attempted in 433 because the audience can be defined as the art world because they know about art, presumably, you know. No, I definitely agree. Uh, I think that even though it's not what you traditionally consider to be music, um, just, you know, the fact that there's pretty much just an audience making noises for four minutes and 33 uh, seconds, it's not the first thing that you would think of when you think, oh my gosh, my favorite piece of music. But it does leave, uh, I feel like a lot of art can be categorized by what makes like an impact on people. Uh, it's like what kind of leaves you thinking. Um, you see that a lot in modern art. Like some of the most like successful modern art is probably some of the most questionable. I wouldn't say questionable. It's more what sparks questions. Like there's that infamous urinal that's been <laughs> very thoughtful and uh, been a centerpiece of attention. So it it kind of brings up the idea of like, well, what is art if it's not like if it's not, if it's not sparking a conversation, but it's leaving like a message—is it art or not? So uh, it's definitely yeah. something to over. And I think art is also like up to the person to decide. Like the artist is what makes the art a piece of art. You know, like yeah. I made something and I'm like, oh, well, I think that this is art. I don't think the art world that it's shown to should be the one that should decide that, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think I think artists make the art. Like I know they, it's very straightforward in saying that, but it's literally as it is. The artists will make the art, and then the, whether or not the audience sees it as art is up to them. It's very much in the eye of the beholder. You see that a lot in the modern art, past art uh, comparisons to like kind of more classical work to more modern work, which challenges what our basic preconceptions are as to what makes art good or not. So you'll see a lot of people challenging them. You saw that in the uh, kind of earlier art movements, like uh, we kind of deviated from the Renaissance art, moving into more postmodern, um, like pointillism and stuff like that, where people try to stylize their work to be different from the natural world so you see a lot more deviations in content materials like physical matter so i feel like the absence of music makes it music like it makes it more like cohesive in a way so like you don't need music present for there to be like an impact for it so i, w I would consider it to be a music piece it's just not music as like a whole like what you would think of immediately yeah, like, I don't think it's music. I think it's more of just performative art. Because, like, mm -hmm. when I think of music, I think of, like, musical notes and, like, mm -hmm. other elements of music. But, like, hearing it, I guess, because music makes you, like, feel a certain way. So when yeah. I heard 433, it was kind of peaceful. Like, it made yeah. me feel peaceful because there wasn't, like, so much noise around, you know? Yeah, because like we can we categorize a lot of our uh, of like music to be like rhythms and and stuff like that. So I think the tranquility on its own can be considered like a rhythm of like peaceful like you know because a lot of music is kind of just remixed um, you know, like noises like put together. So like whether or not it sounds pleasant to the ear to form a pattern 
isn't necessarily a requirement, I would say. Yeah, that's so. why um, you can kind of argue that it's it's both art and a piece of music. And, you know, what what is music if not a, a type of art and art subjective to those who listen to it? Although I, I think it's really interesting how um, he essentially turned his audience into the instruments. Um, he almost knew in a way, of course, like people are going to react and people, you know, you're, you're either going to hear laughter, you're going to hear annoyance, like, what is this guy doing? Is he going to play? Um, you know, you can almost yeah. hear their thoughts. And um, the the cool thing about vocals and just human vocals and even, um, you know, the simple opening and the closing of a piano, breathing, it's all on the musical scale. So there you can argue that it's a piece of music while also being an insane performative art that really, um, you know, how it made you guys feel peaceful. It made other people feel, you know, angry or anxious. And I, I think it's really both. Yeah, it's true. I didn't think of that. Like some people might be like, Oh, there's nothing going on. Like what's going on. I feel anxious. Like, Nothing's happening, you know? Yeah. I feel like you see that a lot, like, in kind of modern times where you'll see, like, a clip that doesn't really seem like it, you'd be able to do anything to it, like, audibly. But then somebody will come in and edit it to sound like a song, and you'll be like, oh, okay. I think <laughs> this. So I feel like that kind of plays into a lot of modern things that you see these days. Uh, so let me move on to the next question. Um, what if Cage insisted that 433 was a listening experience in which the audience is supposed to hear background noises? Would your answer to the last question be different? Uh, well, I agree that it's a listening experience because you're listening to the world around you. And also no two performances will ever be the same. Like I've seen some covers of this and they're all different. Yeah. It's like there's no way to perfectly replicate this work. Like, there's never going to be the same arrangement of uh, people in the room making the same noises. They can try to replicate it, but it's never going to sound exactly the same. And I think that's what makes it so unique as a, like a performative art is that you're never going to be able to make it, like, it's completely unique. You'll never be able to have that experience again, which I think in itself is kind of very interesting for, like, from an art perspective. It's like no one piece is going to be exactly the same, like, you can have, like, modern art these days where you can, like, copy-paste or do something like that. But, like, back when this was recorded, that wasn't really something that people did. So it's interesting to see how Cage kind of, like, interpreted this as his own work, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's what made it special, you know. He challenged pretty much everything that uh, the art and music world new i agree yeah i think if i think if he had done it any other way i think it definitely would not have had the impact that it did have today like if he just got on stage and recorded his song for four minutes and 33 seconds i don't think anyone would have cared about it it would have just been another song but i think the fact that it made like an impact like this is what makes it art like it if it has like an impact on the not to say that small art isn't impactful but just the uh strangeness of it is very well known in our world so it kind of moves into like more postmodern 
examples with like Banksy and stuff and such people like that where you see their art and you're like, huh? Wait, is this art? And then you think more about it and you're like, well, a lot of people know what it is and it clearly has influenced a lot of people. So, uh, you know, it's debatable to see, to argue that it wouldn't be art. So, yeah. So 100%, we'd say it's more art than it is music. Yeah. So we're going to move to question three. Suppose that during a recent concert of Cage's works, the pianist hired to perform 433 became ill at the last moment and had to withdraw. In desperation, the stage manager himself performed the work. Would this be a performance of Cage's work? This is kind of a weird question. Um, I don't think it would be Cage's work because I think the absence of Cage is in itself where the art begins, but at the same time, it's the intent I ma- I think that matters. Like, if you don't have the intent to create what's going in, it's not going to be the same thing. Like, I don't know if you guys understand what I mean. Um, like, are you saying since he is not a pianist, um, like, people wouldn't be fooled into thinking that he were, was going to play, like, the piano? I don't know. I think, like, I think if it were, yeah, I think if it were anybody else doing it, like, if it weren't a pianist, it wasn't Cage on stage doing it, I don't think it would have had the effect it did, because I think people would be confused, but they wouldn't be, it wouldn't have the same effect on the audience as it were if Cage himself was sitting on stage, just sitting there doing nothing. Uh, Do you think they would know the difference between a pianist and the manager? (laughs) I feel like if if they knew who he was, yes. Like, if if Beyonce came on stage and just stood there 40 minutes... I don't think, uh, I feel like people would be very confused and probably react pretty strongly. But if Beyonce's manager came on stage and just stared at the audience for four minutes and 33 seconds, I don't think people would have the same reaction, if that makes sense. Like, you, they wouldn't be able to replicate that kind of, like, Yeah. Well, what I think is that, would, it, would this be a performance... I think it would be because the art is not in the musician. So the musician is only playing the music. And the pianist, even though he's a skilled performer, he's not the composer. So I feel like if like if the audience knew didn't know that the manager wasn't a pianist, I feel like it would still be the performance that Cage wanted. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Um, I think that kind of plays into one of our other questions where it was like, like, would it be different if it were anybody else doing it? It would almost be like an extension of Cage's work or like an ode. Yeah. Definitely. But like a cover. Like it wouldn't be his work, but it would be like a cover of his work. Right. If, yeah. Like I feel like you'd have to have the artist present to for it to be their work otherwise it's just like a cover well let's say uh cage didn't perform this first and we didn't know about it um i i could see the argument that uh if the manager performed it and cage had never performed it and nobody really knew what was happening then no it it wouldn't be a performance of cage's work however uh having said that he did it first and maybe 
had another performance later but fell ill, then yes, it, it, it could be an extension of his performance, but we we would have yeah, to know. Yeah, I think, I think that makes sense. Like, I feel like it's the intense, like, I feel like the original performance, if it were his manager that had did it, I don't think it would have had the effect it did, but if Cage performed the first time and then the next time he felt ill and his manager did it, that in and itself could be like an extension, like you had mentioned before. Like it could be part of it as well. Yeah. Just because it's like a, I guess it's like a series of events unfolding and then people interpret it as it goes along. Part of the original work, maybe, yeah. Yeah. So like it kind of begs the question like, well, if the audience doesn't know that there's supposed to be something changing, like how does that influence like if it's art or not? Like if they can't tell a difference, like is it really art? Or is it something else? Kind of makes a question. Which again, yeah, that's a good question. It all goes back to um, the audience and what they believe. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much talks over um, Cage's work. Uh, it's definitely an interesting guy. An interesting thought process for his work, especially four thirty three. Yeah, as uh, his other work on Spotify that I listened to. It was really beautiful. So you guys should listen to it if you want. Yeah. Um, Definitely check it out. Definitely interesting to, like, see how people interpret his work on their own and then also how it compares to other pieces of work. Like, what's different about this one compared to the other ones and what's different about his work to everybody else's work. So uh, definitely ties together on that that part. So with that, I... uh, Do you guys have any other thoughts? Um... No. I think we've covered it. Um, so I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Alexis and Raven. I really appreciate it. Um, this concludes the Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon, and remember to stay curious.